0: Well, take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel chapter 22, verses 23 through 30 will be our text, so the book of Ezekiel, as we look to it today and we've been looking at what's next going on as far as things happening in our country and happening around the world and just what's next as far as God's side of that, the calendar of God, so to speak, what's next? We don't know. We don't know in specifics. I mean, who's going to be the next president? Who's going to be the next leader of Russia? Who's going to be the next leader of France? No, we don't know. God does, but we don't. Okay, that's why we just trust God all the way. Now, look, uh, Christians can be persecuted. Christians can be killed. I was just telling my son Paul, him and his son are both deputies, so I was telling him, look, if anything happens to me, I get killed. Your mother's coming to live with you. Okay, but um, <laughs> you should have seen the fear in his face. You know, I just, I just really, I, okay, well, Enough of that. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll look into the scripture now. Father, thank you for the opportunity to delve into your word this morning. And Lord, we believe you're coming soon. We pray that you will. And yet, Lord, we many of us have people that we know, we love, who are without Christ or have wandered far from you. I pray. I pray, Lord. uh, you'd give them the opportunity to hear the gospel once again, but not only to hear, but to be under the great powerful conviction of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. As I read our text here in Ezekiel chapter 22, beginning with verse 23, I want you to think on America, for what you see in this 22nd chapter of Ezekiel Pretty well fits the bill of America. I think of pilgrims, who came to this country, and and they wanted that religious freedom to exercise and to worship God according to the word of God, and they come and 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 a country was established. And then in 1776, a constitution was established. Now that was a constitution it was not a religion, rather it was a document of morals and ethics and what's right in any equation, any generation, because they were from God's Word, and God's Word is always right in any time. There are those who teach today the Constitution is a living document that changes with the culture that is as wrong as wrong is can be that's why they use scriptures whether some of them were not believers or not they knew what they had come from they knew what would destroy a country and they knew that these things would help our country now so they use the word of god the old testament and the new testament for those principles ethics and so forth that we Uh, have for our country. Uh, We call it the Judeo-Christian ethic, which is mainly saying these principles and ethics were taken from the Word of God. But the ethics, the principles, all of it itself was to us in that book by the Creator of the universe, the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. and, And they created it all. And the universe was created And he has told us now, in that he's given us a book, he has told us in Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Uh, Don't matter about your lineage, sin is a reproach to any people. Psalms 19, uh, 9, verse 17, should I say, also states, the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all nations, not exempt, all nations that forget God. And yes, even if it's America, when a country goes away from those principles, those ethics of right, And suddenly they're wanting to kill babies, they're wanting to uh, change the morals and everything else and even outlaw many things of the church and what's preached and what's taught. They're asking God for judgment. And it is the nation that will be turned into hell. No nation is exempt from that if they turn to those other ways. So, with that in mind, I want us to begin here in our text, in Ezekiel chapter 22, beginning with verse 23, and the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, that is, unto Israel, but really, don't just think that this is for Israel, that nobody else has to pay attention to it. I'm tired of people just saying, well, you know, the law was just for Israel, okay, so I can go out and kill people. I mean, law's just that's the old testament law. Come on. I can go out and kill people. I commit adultery. I can do that. I can do that. He can... said, Well, preacher, come on now, be, be serious. I am serious because that's just as stupid to say it the other way. I was telling Brother Howell down here today, I said, you know, Einstein had it right. Genius and stupidity, the only difference is genius does have a limit. And you'll think on that, it'll hit you. And when people try to devalue the word of God, that is utter stupidity. And say, well, it doesn't apply to me today. Guess what? When you stand before God, it will apply more than you know. And by the way, do you think that Jesus told a big old-fashioned fat lie when he said that heaven and earth will pass away, but not one Dot, tittle, not anything would pass away from the law, from his word. It won't pass away. Now, I don't think he lied to us, do you? Well, to claim that it doesn't apply, then you're saying he lied. So we go by the word of God on that, and that's what your constitution, our constitution, was built upon. But, saying to her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed. Nor rained upon in the day of indignation when that day comes and it will come. Now, remember, the purpose of God is important. So he says in verse 25 there is a conspiracy of her prophets, a conspiracy is when there is an agreement among a group and that group begins to grow into other groups and there is an agreement that is not built on the word of God, but is built on their critical thinking and philosophies, that will be the thing that destroys them and destroys their nation. And so there is conspiracy of her prophets In the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey, they have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure of precious things. By the way, let me just insert, I don't have that written down here, but let me just insert, I think the Spirit of God gives you things sometimes. When they want to teach children in your schools, and in all forms of society, and entertainment, or anything else. That the gender they're born with may not be their gender. They are destroying souls. And this is not an advertisement. This is just a statement I'm making. Uh, Disney World won't get any money out of me. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have also and have uh, profane thine holy things, mine holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane Neither have they exercised between the unclean. They have not, should I say it, shown a difference. Showed a difference. They have not exercised any holiness. They have not done anything with holiness in years. They have departed from holiness. They have departed from that which is right. And so they have not uh, showed, that is exercised, a difference between the clean and the unclean. Don't forget, God is holy. And he always will be holy. His command in the Old Testament was, Be ye holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. In the book of 1 Peter, chapter 1, he says the same thing, for his commanded that be ye holy, for I the Lord your God am holy. And by the way, the culture does not change the definition of holy. The culture is not to be something. That we want to adapt to. We're not out to win the world by adapting to the culture. We're out to change the world, or you've got to kick out. 2 Corinthians 5:17 that says that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Don't we try to become relevant to the world. Stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. And as you've heard many old preachers say over the years. I've read the book, and I know how it comes out. Now, so he's showing the difference between the unclean and the clean, and they have hid their eyes from my sabbaths. I am profaned among them. Then the sabbaths. Now there was sabbaths of land rest, and there's sabbaths and certain religious feast, but really the Sabbath spoke of a Sabbath day too, in which they would set aside a day to worship, meditate in the things of God. I can remember back in the 1960's. It was the late 60's. And then it hit until the early 70's, started to hit more places. 7-Eleven was open on Sunday. You know, throughout the 60's, now where we lived, we lived down in Bradenton, Florida at the time, there was not a restaurant open on Sunday. Because they thought it was the Lord's Day. And we're Americans, we honor God. Well, that went out the door. In the state of Pennsylvania, Baseball was not allowed to be played on Sunday, so the Philadelphia Phillies could not play baseball on Sunday in Pennsylvania. They got a law passed when Connie Mack backed it up 100%. The city of brotherly love. Why don't you go live there and walk in the streets? And you'll find out what sin does. You see, and so you see these things going on and on, and and then people say, well, look, it's a family time. My family and I, we're going to go to the beach. We're going to go camping this weekend. Okay, go Monday and Tuesday. Well, I've got to work. Oh, yeah, I get it. Your work is more important than God and obeying Him, isn't it? Well, preaching now, you shouldn't say that. No, no, you shouldn't say it. You shouldn't say it's not when it is. Your actions speak louder than your words. You see, now, I'm, I'm just telling it as it is, because that's what God tells me to do from His Word. And so, we're telling you what God has to say. And so, uh, you have Sunday set aside that way. Now, verse 27 says, Her princes, in the midst thereof, are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls, to get dishonest gain. Now look, that simply means that they are against that which is right and they will destroy that if it will profit them. Verse 28, And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar. That which is not set right, that which will not hold, that which is not able to hold up what is supposed to hold up and do what it is supposed to do, untempered mortar. It looks good when you first see it, but the end result is not good with untempered mortar. They're seeing vanity in divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken." I was teasing here last week uh, with a couple that's here saying, uh, hey, I got a word of, uh, I just got a word of knowledge. Well, they say, I got a word of knowledge. Like, uh, what about the word of God? You got a word of knowledge or something that's just not revealed in God's word, and I just got it. Then you've just said the Bible's incomplete. Look, we can find God's will for our life, and then he'll speak to our heart when he leads us into specific things. He'll speak to us. Verse 29, the people of the land have oppressed, have used oppression, should I say, have used oppression and exercised robbery, and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have opposed the stranger wrongfully. Excuse me. And I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but i found none is that sad god was actually wanting to deliver israel so that they wouldn't go into a that 70 years of captivity He was wanting to do something for them, but he sought for a man that he would work through. Stand in the gap, make up the hedge. That takes me back to thinking of Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 23, where he says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now, understand, he's standing there on the mountain, he's overlooking it. There's the city you that went to Israel with me, you stood on that mount. You saw Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and killest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered your children to gather, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings. And you would not. Behold, Your house is left unto you desolate. Oh, yes, their house was left to them desolate in AD 70 when the Roman general Titus pulled down the walls, blood flowed in the street as if they were streams of water, and the city was destroyed. And we saw in just that short passage that we've read here, prophets, princes, priests, people. Satan is defeating nations by corrupting, really corrupting, those four groups of people. He's able to get in. He's able to do these things. Prophets would be somewhat like the evangelists today. We remember the advances. Uh, When I was growing up, people talked about way back in the days of Billy Sunday. Matter of fact, the pulpit that is in the youth room today is a pulpit that when my dad first come here, he said, man, that thing's old. Let's get rid of that thing. They said, preacher, we'll get rid of you before you get rid of that thing. They must have been right because Dr. Bloom's gone. (laughs) Okay. But what they meant by that was that Mrs. Billy Sunday came through Ocala and she spoke from that pulpit. And, and so they said, we don't ever want that thing to be destroyed. And so it's something that's been refinished and refinished and refinished. I don't know how many coats of what's on it. But that's where she spoke from. And I think it's good to honor that. We can talk about John R. Rice. We can talk about the great evangelist of the past days. And how God used them, but when they begin to corrupt, then things go the wrong direction. The prophets were like the evangelists, the priests were like the pastors. Oh, how many independent fundamental Baptist pastors I've seen. And by the way, even the Southern Baptists, when I can remember back in the 60s when Southern Baptists preached exactly the way I'm preaching today, I remember that. What happened? Pastors, who once stood, went another direction. But not only the pastors, the princes, leaders in government, the ones that will say, oh, we want you to come here and, and pray for us. And then they'll go on and pass bills that are so ungodly. I've had, I know people that have gotten elected ran as all oh, good solemn christians good church members and everything else and they're the ones that end up voting for gambling for they're the ones that voted for abortion they're the ones that voted for all these other filthy things that are sin and and yet they use their christianity what they said was christianity to get in yeah those princes are leaders in the government and then the people those who go along with it in all these areas, who adjust to the culture of the world instead of the Word of God. They had no man in all of those groups in Israel who would stand in the gap, make up the hedge that the country might be saved. Yet, my mind goes back to Noah. Noah. God looks down upon the earth and he says, All right, 120 years that I'm going to destroy it. And yet, that was to give man an opportunity to get it right. And the Bible tells us in Genesis 6 that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He was a man that walked with God and feared God. But of the world of that day, all about him, they had gone another direction. I mean, if you follow the line of Noah, he came through Seth's line, a good line. A good, godly line. But that godly line, just because you're born in a <coughs> Christian home, because your parents or grandparents or whoever else was godly or they were Christians or whatever, doesn't make you one. But in the midst of a society that was just as evil, if not more evil than our society, Noah still walked with God. He had standards of separation from the world. He had a holy life. God could use him, And for 120 years, because they had longevity in that day, he preached 120 years. The Bible says that he was a preacher of righteousness, and as a preacher of righteousness he did not compromise he stood true he preached the word of god that had given him and they ignored it and they died they died but the life of noah tells you that no matter how bad and evil and how much the world is compromised not matter how much churches are compromising, you don't have to. You've got a God that's greater than the world, and that God will just do like He did with Noah. He'll deliver you through all of that. Even if they're making fun of you, even if they're saying all these bad things about you, just simply trust, 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 and more trust, trust God. And so, Noah, he trusted God. Now, Israel is facing that captivity and nobody would stand. I want to share two passages that I shared with the people last Sunday night as I was closing this sermon because I think it's something that we need to think about in relationship to these verses that I'm reading to you now. First of all, we look in Ezekiel it's in Ezekiel chapter thirty-three, verses eight and nine. Verse eight says, and this is God speaking to Ezekiel, Ezekiel thirty-three eight. When I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die. If thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. You say, whoa, what does that mean? It's a loss of reward. There was a crown to be given, the Bible tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, that they that, bring souls to the Savior. We'll have a crown of rejoicing. And the crown speaks of ruling and reigning. We're to rule and reign with Christ, where some that will be saved will be saved so as by fire. They'll have no reward, but they will be in heaven, which is a good thing, but they will have no reward. They will not be ruling and reigning, but they will be with Christ. But a loss of reward Jesus paid the ultimate price of blood when he took on humanity and then died for us. And when you hold back that witness from a person that you're not sure they're saved or you think they're not saved and you won't share that witness with them, they die. Their blood is on your hands. Not because I say so, what I say wouldn't matter, but what God says is true. You say, well, how could that be true? Well, verse 9, nevertheless, if thou turn the wicked, uh, if thou warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do not turn from the way, he shall die in his iniquity, but thou hast delivered thy soul. What does that mean? It means that crown that God had already intended to give to you will be delivered to you. Wow. To rule and reign. You see, we wonder about that. The soul, the seat of your emotions. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, It talks about those that turn many to righteousness shall shine as the stars forever. In other words, they'll be serving God in the glory of Christ. They'll have a crown. They'll be serving. Turning many to righteousness. It didn't say those people that they turned got saved. It said they gave them the gospels, what they did. They turned them to righteousness, but every man has a free will to accept it or reject it, but ours is to turn them to it. And so, you want to preserve a crown that God has already wanted to give you, then you do it. Now, let me share this one other passage, Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. This is a time when that millennium is over, there's a rebellion against God one more time, they surround Jerusalem, and then God destroys them. Satan will be forever cast into the lake of fire from that point forward. He'll deceive the nations no more. But when all that is done, it says in Revelation 20 verse 11, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. What does that mean, according to their works? The Bible also lets us know in other places Every word, every thought, every intent of the heart, every deed. cause anyone to stand up there and say, oh, "I don't deserve it, then everything is revealed totally. Because it did not come under the blood because they did not receive Jesus Christ and Savior. And so verse 14 says, "And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Uh, What do you mean, first death, second death? Death is to be separated from God. Adam, the moment he'd sinned, was separated from God. That is, his spirit would be separated from his presence, and his person, and his eternal destiny would be hell, unless there was a savior. That's why you and I are born spiritually dead. We're born spiritually dead. But the second death is to die without Jesus Christ. And that second death that has been in hell, but this lake of fire is even far greater than the hell that they've been in the place which is a place of fire and torment. And death and hell were cast to the lake of fire. And whosoever was not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. You say, how do I know if I'm written in the book of life if you receive Christ? By the way, let me tell you something. Revelation 3, 5 says He will not blot your name out. Do you realize when you were born, your name was in the book of life? It's not blot out until you die without Jesus Christ. But if you get saved, He will not blot your name out of the book of life. you had a chance. And you mess it up, you don't take it, you don't take advantage of it, then my friend, that is your eternity. And so, they're cast into the lake of fire. You know, Acts chapter 12, verse 30, tells us this. In the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men, Everywhere to repent. All men means all men. every person on the face of this earth has a command from God to repent. No one's exempt from that. If they will, He will save them. He commands all men to repent, because He hath appointed a day, in which He will judge the world, in righteousness. By that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance to all men, in that he raised him from the dead. That is saying, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes unto the Father but by him. Just reiterating that, what Jesus said. Only through Jesus Christ. And so, Acts 3.19 says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the time for refreshing shall come from the Lord. Repent. Turn from depending on yourself. Well, I'm religious enough. Blah blah, 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 blah. All the things that are of your mind, but not of the word of God, not of Christ. Turn from those things and be converted. Give yourself to it. That's conversion. Give yourself to Jesus Christ today. Call upon Him to save your soul. He says that if you'll call upon Him, He'll save you. For whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But you're doing it in faith. You're believing that He shed His blood on the cross. He died for you. He was buried, rose up bodily from the grave. That was our assurance. He assured that to all men. We just read. So if you'll repent and come to Him, He will save you. You see, you're turning to Him. And when you're turning to Him, you're turning from something you're turning from self, you're turning from sin, you're turning to Christ for eternal life. And he said, him to come to me, I will no wise cast out. He'll save you. Now, if you're entertaining doubts in your mind about if I died today, would I go to heaven? Then my friend, don't sit back there when we give this invitation in just a moment, you come. You receive Christ as your Savior this morning. You can do it. And in His house, in His house, you can do it. Oh, won't you come